Hello and welcome to the Pilgrims Podcast. My name's Tom Kirk and joining me this week are Alex Hine and Peter Saundry. Fellas, thank you for joining me. It's uh, Sunday, about 24 hours after we uh, got a draw at Hull City. Um, Alex, where did you watch the game? Um, I was in the uh, Green Post in Chicago with a couple of other um, American-based Argyle fans. Um, it was on ESPN over here, so we, so we got to watch it. And uh, glad to see Peter's on the pod today, so he can do the heavy lifting with the uh, the stats and the and the tactical kind of um, insight. I think my input's definitely going to be more of a vibes take uh, this week, Tom. <laughs> Less substance, more form. Peter, um, what were your immediate thoughts of the game and how have they moved on in the last 24 hours? It was a really fascinating game. I mean, I thought we saw the entire season to date encapsulated in a single game. We started out with uh, three at the back and wing backs uh, a la last game against Norwich when we trashed them and uh, last season. And then at about 60 minute mark, we switched to the uh, 4-3-3 formation and uh, in the end, uh, we had some great goals. We could have won it if Finizaz's curving shot had just been about a half inch further on that inside post. It would have gone in and we could have lost it. There were three brilliant saves by Connor Hazard in extra time or well, within about three minutes. And uh, it could have gone either way. And we hung on. I think our performance deserved a point, but it shows how competitive this division is. Yeah, I made very few notes in prep for this, but um, the notes I did make was that I thought the performance was good, but it was a, a humbling reminder of how good a lot of the opposition is in the division. I don't think we had Hull down as maybe top six or one of the big sides, but we've gone to their place. They're clearly very good. They played well enough to win the game. I wouldn't say that we deserve to lose the game, but they certainly played well enough to win a game against a good side themselves. The division's nuts, isn't it? It's really high on quality, a lot of quality teams. And um, there's a bit to unpack in what Peter was saying there about the system change, but the the end product was back to what we're used to after a brief respite of, you know, thrashing aside last week, is one of those really open games that could really go either way and uh, a lot of pinball between the boxes. But it must have been enjoyable um, watching that half cut in a Chicago bar, Alex. Yeah, it was an entertaining game to watch. <clears throat> I think it summed up the championship in terms of the quality that's on display, but the opportunity that's always there for a mistake from a defender, a goalkeeper, anybody on the field. There were loose passes. There were um, moments from both teams that the managers probably would have had a word about at halftime or at the end of the game. I thought that Hull did what we try to do, which is play out from the back, and they looked very wobbly at times doing that. Our press was excellent. Our chances, a lot of our big chances came from our press winning the ball off them high up the field. And you could sense that the whole fans were getting nervous about that. The players looked a bit wobbly. All sopping goal was running out of ideas and you could tell at times he just wanted to lump it forward, but he knew he'd feel the wrath of the manager if he, uh, if he did that. So I think one of the big takeaways for me from that game was, and, and I think this happens across professional football now. It's, it's, such an important thing more so than it was sending a scout to the last game and um, getting some intel on the team, but like really, really doing your homework on how teams play. Everything is so systems based now managers in the championship. There's lots of really good young tacticians managing teams in the championship. And it's really fascinating to watch 
all these different tweaks and setups, how they try and isolate and spot weaknesses in other teams, how they try and exploit those. And I thought yesterday in particular, you could really see where we were trying to get at them. We knew they played out from the back. We pressed high, we pressed fast. And then they knew where our weaknesses were. And I'm sure we'll talk about it in a moment where the goal came from, but they they exploited those as well. So it was a real kind of game of chess in a way of seeing who could... Um, who could outwit the other one. So I really enjoyed it from that perspective. Game of chess was immediately the phrase that's come to mind yesterday. I completely agree, Alex. There's good young managers going head to head. So a lot of that is, is that yes, there's prep uh, and a game plan. And then there's in-game management as well, which is further test of their skill set to, to read what's going on. So let's, let's, let's dive into this somewhat chronologically. We get the first goal. We've kind of bled that um, case to death on the part of we first goal is important because it alters game plans. And just in football, generally, the first goal is very, very influential in the end result. And again, another case yesterday, the team who scored the first goal, as in all our games this season, doesn't lose the game. It's the second draw. Um, so I was very excited at that point. Don't know how you felt. I mean, I was staring to dream about 22 minutes where uh, Rands uh, pops up with a with a nice finish, you know, smart movement, yeah. which we've which is a, another facet to his game that we, we know he needs to improve on, getting getting numbers. We know he's a great player. So that's good. Yeah. Work from Barley Mumba down the left. Very exciting. Great start, Peter, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the, the great thing about the goal, I thought, was not so much uh, the finish by Rands. It's that he made this amazing run down the right and cuts in at the back post to be in that position. And it's that running that we don't see unless some ball bounces to him that made that goal. Um, and Bally did what Bally is superb at doing. He comes down, he's got uh, two defenders on him. He jinks one way, he jinks another, and then gets a shot off and the goalkeeper parries it. And we're just, I mean, there's a certain amount of luck. He just gets parried straight to Rands to slot away. In the replay, I, something that caught my eye was kind of interesting, is as Bally's running into the box, uh, uh, Ryan Hardy is pressing forward. He's got two defenders on him. And just coming at the edge of the box is uh, Morgan Whitaker and Finizaz. And they, uh, Morgan Whitaker just stops his run blank. And the defender runs back watching Bally and the ball. And when the goal, is, when the shot is made by Bally, Morgan Whitaker and Finizaz are both in and around the D. And there's about six or eight yards in front of them of empty space. So if that ball is parried straight out, they're going to finish it. And that wasn't accidental. So both Rands being where he was and uh, Morgs and, and Finn being where they were, um, was very much, I thought, very intelligent, smart playing to you know feed on any scraps that come up and finish that ball. Yeah, I don't think anybody's anybody's really worrying about Randall. This is what I love about having our kind of big four up front, because obviously the um, opposition, as we just talked about, are going to do their homework on them. They're going to know the danger is Hardy, Whitaker, Azaz, Mumba are the players they're going to be looking for. Their defenders are going to be given a job to try and keep them quiet. And then you've got Adam Randall, who nobody suspects a couple of times yesterday, coming into those dangerous positions as that spare man who perhaps hasn't been picked up or they're not worrying about too much. 
That's exactly what happened with the goal. There was another one later in the game in the second half where the spin of the ball just took it away from him and he couldn't quite, he still got a good shot away. But again, he was there in space in the box, uh, possibly because they're not just, well, well, they should have done because he scored the goal, but not worrying about him quite as much because they've got their hands full with those with those other four. And that's what I love about them is they don't all have to have a good game to keep the defence guessing and worrying and mm. making sure that they mm. don't leave any, any gaps. Mumba was, I, he was in a more of a sort of withdrawn role against Norwich, but he was relatively quiet compared to the others. But you can guarantee that their fullback who had to keep an eye on him never once for a second took his eye off him. And that meant that he couldn't be somewhere else. And having that four across there, I think really just gives us so many options elsewhere on the pitch. Yeah. yeah uh, Alex took the words right out of my mouth. Um, you know, it's, it, it's more, I didn't rank, you know, I didn't score anybody a particularly eight out of 10, certainly not at the top of the pitch um, uh, yesterday. Um, I was pleased for Bally because like you said last week, I felt that he had a really good game, but he was given a, a role to do in an interchanging system where, you know, he was left back at times. Um, and I've also felt his performances this season have been really good. And other than that first game, we've not seen the numbers. So to get him involved in a goal, I don't know if it's officially a goal contribution. I was really pleased for that. And you can see in that moment, um, if you can just see it on highlight, Peter, can't you? Just the the terror that as good as our game plan is, the talent causes, whether it's, you know, it's Mumba creating the space, Whitaker and Azaz, like Alex there, just causing doubt. And Rands has got a really good opportunity to get some numbers because he's a wonderful player, Adam. Um, and yeah, I'd really like to see him take advantage of being that that spare man. Um, I don't think, he, I think there are players who've got a better attacking skill set like that, like Kundal maybe, but given the quality of opposition that we're playing, Rands has still got the day job to do. Um, yeah. So we can't just put somebody in who's, who's all out attacking and doesn't... Um, doesn't contribute as soundly defensively, um, but it's a, it's a really good, really good opportunity for him to get some get some of the you know the the sexy kind of credentials that you get from scoring goals and assists that that back up how how good a player he is. I would say the best play by Rands was not his goal though. In deep into the second half, he does the tackle of the match. Uh, I think it's Liam Delap comes gets free. He's charging down the right side. He's, he's wide open, and then Rands just slides in right on the 18-yard uh, line and just slides right down, takes the ball, stops the ball dead. Uh, Delap goes over the top of him, no foul because Rands has got the ball 100%. Uh, Liam Delap is rolling over towards the goal line, and Rands just stands up and calmly moves the ball back out of defense. It was the absolute brilliant save. I loved watching that bit. Best mm, that's what he, he does that so well. I think I've mentioned it before on the pod even. But my favourite part of the promotion winning goal against Burton was Randall winning the ball deep in the field with a fantastic tackle and starting the move off for Ennis. If it, if it wasn't for Randall doing that job, like you say, Tom, well, you said getting involved in the sexy stuff. That's the unsexy stuff, but that's what helps to build goals. Mm. And I think he's so good at it. He's still got a loose pass in him. There was one across the box yesterday, I think, that you could tell he really regretted. And well, I think he was under some real the pressure there, Alex, wasn't he? I mean, again, I, 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 I haven't spotted anything in Hull's change, which we'll come to in a minute and we'll, we'll talk about their goal and stuff. But they seem to put more pressure on Randall and Houghton in the second half. Now, whether that's because we were in those areas. Um, yeah, look, I mean, we don't need to tell Adam that that was... 
clumsy. I mean, I'm not quite sure what he was thinking, but the man's probably leaned, I sound like I make excuses for him, but you know, he got cramped toward the end of the game, didn't he? I thought he tired in the Norwich game. He played in the Bristol City game. He's got a lot of ground to cover. I think we're always sort of obsessed with the fact the fullbacks have got a lot of um, ground to cover. But I think Adams got more ground to cover in the in the three five two um, than than, he, than they would in the four uh, three three. Um, even though actually, I think positionally is in base position. I, I think it suits him. It suits him better. And look, we'll come on to that because we changed things up, I think partly because of that, what I just said, and a few other things about controlling the middle a little bit more. Um, so Peter pointed out yeah, um, where, where we were. It was good to see some of our attacking threat. We nearly got another one through Azaz, you know, absolutely fractions away from that being 2-0. And, and the game running away from Hull, which would have, you know, I've no doubt they're a good side and we would have come under some pressure. But I'm just thinking back to that Norwich game where, when we went to two nil, we suddenly just sat in a block of five and four and just really wait for the gaps to open up. Um, could have, would have, should have. Um, then, um, and, and, and then they, you know, they, they were racking up the shots, not on target so much. Um, and then the moment comes a little later where there's a goal, which is a, a really unfortunate uh, set of events. Um, Peter, maybe you recount the goal. Um, obviously Macaulay Gillespie thrown in after about five minutes of football as a substitute yeah. this season. Um, uh, the, think- un- the unfortunate pantomime, villain in what was very tough set of circumstances yeah. for him to come in but what would what, you recall all of the players have had to make an adjustment this season you do not get the time and space that you got back in league one this was uh Macca's first start of the season he said only a few minutes before starting today and the errors he made reflected that so he gets the ball in plenty of space and uh uh I'm looking at the replay and Scar is pointing back to Connor Hazard. He can see uh, Jaden uh, Philogene coming towards Mac and, and, and Mac is facing back towards our goal. He could have just slotted it back to Connor Hazard. Ball was cleared out, no problem. He decides to turn and try to pass the ball probably to Bally up on the uh, left wing. Um, Philogene, oh, let me just say Philogene was the player of the match for Hull. Mm-hmm. He had a phenomenal game. Agreed. He, Agreed. He, cl- he closes Macca down. Uh, Macca's shot is blocked. It bounces towards the goal line. And then Macca makes a second mistake. He tries to just shepherd the ball out. And he's, he's sort of trying to shoulder Philogene off the ball. And the ball spins. And what happens is he doesn't shoulder Philogene strong enough. In fact, he runs off the field of play. Philogene stays on the field of play. The ball spins back. And suddenly you have a situation where Philogene is uh, a yard, yard and a half inside the goal line. Uh, uh, Mac is outside the field of play. And Philogene is sprinting along, you know, towards the goal. Uh, Scar comes back. He gets down. He gets nutmegged as Philogene puts the ball across. Plaguey has come in to cover Scar's man. And then uh, at the back post is Slater, who just, he won't get an easier goal all season. Thoughts on that? I don't think you can criticise, I don't think you can criticise anybody other than Gillespie for that goal because we had the ball at the back. We were passing it around quite comfortably. It was our possession. We were looking, that's the point where we were thinking, how do we build an attack from here? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we're on the back foot and the shape that we've got and the positions the players are in looking to attack 
all of a sudden we're scrambling and having to run back. So once the mistake or both mistakes have been made, if there's men who are open at the back post or there's somebody who's not in quite the right position, I think they get a total free pass on that because that just came from something that it would, they would not have been anticipating and, and, and should really have been looking to what's my attacking position here. Um, yeah. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, it was a tough, I thought Gillespie did okay, actually in tough circumstances. He was clearly, um, he's not been the fastest anyway, but even in that sort of, we have benefit of quite a few cameras at the game yesterday. So it zoomed in on that tussle or the duel between Gillespie and Philogene. And he looked leggy at that point. Obviously Macaulay came off pretty early in the second half as well. Um, there's an element of real misfortune in there. There's a lot of spin on that ball. Now I, I'm hearing you go, okay, well, Philogene reads it, so why can't Macaulay read it? Um, but then I'm thinking, I don't know. I think that could have been just circumstantial because he was, Macaulay was doing well, shepherding the ball out and suddenly the ball's behind him. I have some sympathy to an extent. I think, Alex, with you, I think the 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 the... <laughs> The first touch, you know, the blockage or getting into that space, that decision is what starts this all off. Um, and then I'm looking like a piece, I'm looking at the goal because I can't see because of the camera angle, but Joe, who I thought was superb yesterday, I can't see him in that yeah. uh, situation. He would be the man I'd expect to be there. But again, that's harsh because Joe's got a, he's playing the wing back role. So he could be halfway up the field because he thinks we're comfortably in possession. But it's the gap because like Peter said, Scar goes to make the block. Uh, Plaguey's got a gam, uh, has a decision to make, and he decides to come a scar because it could come a second ball if Hazard gets a, hits a pass to it. You know, it's unfortunate it goes through the leg. There's a lot of real misfortune there. You think of the, the as as you know, that's a fraction of the way of going in that hits Scar's legs or whatever. That really doesn't happen. We go in one nil, completely different game. Um, I actually think the luck was with the home side uh, yesterday. Um, yes, the manager came out talking about the possession and the corners and that, but you know they weren't. They weren't unlucky with their shooting. Their shooting was poor, really. Hazard wasn't really tested until till right at the end. So I, I kind of don't want to be too critical of anyone. It was a shame not to have used um, the things that were going our way yesterday to, to have a half-time lead, for sure. Um, this is this is a broader take on Gillespie, and I don't. we haven't seen much of him. The mistakes aside, if we're going to play three centre-backs on the pitch that's where we're going to struggle for cover. I think we're so, we've been talking so much recently about what happens if Whitaker gets injured, what happens if Azaz or, or Hardy are injured, do we have the depth? All of a sudden we need, we, we, we create a situation where we need to find an extra centre-back. <laughs> and in that position, there's obviously, um, you know, Galloway's injury record is well documented. I am not sure, as much as I like Gillespie and as much as he's been a great servant and he's done well and he's done what's been asked of him, I just don't know. I just don't think he's a championship standard centre-back. It's not through no fault of his own. The mistakes yesterday, you know, he's hardly played. So I'll give him a bit of a, a bit of slack on that. But if we are going to play that system more regularly, that is an area where I think we're going to have to look to strengthen in January. Alex, is, we're Alex, has, taken his, Alex has taken his gloves off. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> I'd like to see the players who come up really get a chance, even if they're unproven. I think we might see, Alex, that uh, Macaulay is a good backup option. And, um, you know, we might have to play somebody who's not quite at the standard we require. 
what I'm a little bit more concerned about, like you were saying, Alex, when we brought Lewis Gibson in, who was another left-sided centre-half, I thought, oh, Macaulay and Brendan are on the payroll. We seemed quite overstaffed. And then as when we were playing two uh, two centre-halves, I thought, well, we're really overstaffed. <laughs> and now we're playing three at the back. Mm, I'm not convinced. But then I will say, and Peter, I'd be interested for your thoughts on Gillespie. I, I've personally been in this situation before. I wasn't sure he was at League One standard. Yeah, I mean, this is his first start. He's had just a few minutes before uh, yesterday's start. I don't think we can judge him properly on what we've seen. Yes, he made two poor decisions yesterday. Um, the question will be what he learns from them and how he plays going forward. Um, so I'm, I think that we, I think we need to hold fire a little bit on Maka. He may be able to step up. We've seen a lot of our players. Uh, Take a few games to adjust to the championship, but plenty of players that people had questions about, most notably, say, uh, Ryan Hardy, have shown that they're not just capable of stepping up to the championship, but they can thrive and be even better at the championship level. So let's, uh, I, I would say, let's give Mac a, a, a little more time. I'm sure the backroom team are running the stats on him and are going to make a judgment call, but he is probably behind uh, uh, Lewis Gibson in terms of uh, the starting of that left uh, uh, fullback role. The, the second half commenced almost immediately under a lot of pressure. And there was a change on around 55 minutes, which saw Macaulay go off, click of the finger. And then we were back in the shape that we've played all but one and a half matches of football. That really worked. I thought it definitely worked. And it gave them something else to think about. It took seemed to take them by surprise just as much as it took us by surprise, which is what worked. You could see Hull was sort of scrambling to try and adapt and adjust to the change that Shuey made at the time. So another sign of Shuey, you know, he came he, he came under some criticism. I mean, you can't criticise him after a 6-2 win at all. But, you know, we talked about making the changes too late, bringing players off to rest them against Norwich. This was more of a tactical one than a... Um, fitness change but uh, the fact that Shuey can make bold decisions like that that early in a game to try and make a change either to get a point or or to go for the three I think is just another um, sign that he is top class Mm, I think there's there's a lot made of you know I think predominantly if you listen to you know you know 16,000 fans in a stadium or whatever I think they're quite pro change I don't think the do nothing option gets enough credit sometimes but you know yesterday do nothing was not going to lead to anything because um again look we don't mind taking risks as Plymouth Argyle do we we want to we've, we've spoken about this Alex we want to win games um but we weren't you know we were we were at that point if we didn't change anything we were going to do well to hold on to one there was no real chance of having us having a anything but a negligible um, possibility of winning the game. How I felt this uh, worked, Peter, was the the disadvantage of the 4-3-3 that we've got is um, is we give up the wings, don't we? we? You know, we focus on boxing in the middle and we gave up the wings. Now, I felt with Hull yesterday, I, I, I wasn't... They were unloading the middle, but they were unloading the wings as well. They were in total control. So how I saw this was, well, they were, they were coming down the wings and in the middle. So we went, okay, well, let's just let's let's box off the middle and put them out wider, further away from the goal, and and hopefully that you know reduces the control they've got on the game. Yeah, I think um, when we switched our formation, 
it took about 20 minutes for Hull to adjust. I think the last 15 uh, minutes or so, we were just hanging on by the skin of our teeth and uh, Connor Hazard was saving our, our, our skins over and over. But there was uh, about a 20 minute period from the change in uh, formation. Um, when we were, I think, pressing forward a lot more, we were getting lots of chances. There was a wonderful uh, shot where Finnezaz cut in and curled it around the back post. Um, I'll just say about that, I think I love the fact that Finn wants to go for goal, but if he had slid the ball about four yards uh, across the goal, uh, Morgan Whitaker was waiting there with no one near him. And that's the sweet spot, you know, 20 yards out, uh, nobody pressing him. Uh, Morgan Whitaker is going to finish shots like that most times. Um, but Finn uh, got that opportunity. Um, I thought uh, Kane Kessler Hayden really helped move it to a more offensive type of way. I think there's a trade off because it, while it worked for the first 20 minutes, towards the end of the game when we were hanging on, I felt uh, Kessler Hayden was getting too advanced and wasn't sticking in in the defensive role quite as much as we'd like. Um, let's talk about some of the heroes yesterday. I think on reflection, the better performers were, um, for me, uh, Plegothuello. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of obsessed with how um, beautifully he plays the game, but his, 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 he went man for man uh, on um, Aaron Connolly, who's a Premier League player. Um, and kept him very quiet. A couple of times that saw Pleggy dragged well up the pitch, which created some spaces at the end, but I thought he did really, really well. And Pleggy again in that 4-3-3 was on the left side because Gillespie had gone off, which isn't his natural side. Um, I thought Joe Edwards, 500th career appearance yesterday, I thought he was superb. Um, Yes, that opinion's a little weighted on sentiment and a little bit weighted on the fact he's still performing out of his skin well above his comfort zone. I thought he was one of our better players yesterday. He was probably our best outfield player, in my opinion. Alex, I'll get your opinion on those couple of guys. And, and, and while we're in there, we might as well give a word to our, our goalkeeper who, um, you know, produced some big moments. Hazard has improved with every performance he's put in, I think, across the season. And the thought of Michael Cooper leaving was was... Very hard to think about, I think, for a lot of our goal fans. Um, all of us kind of knowing that it will probably have to happen at some point. You know, if you love something, let it go, as they say. Um, it will be better for the club if we can get the funds that we think and believe he's worth. But there was that element of we will be losing one of the best goalkeepers we've ever seen in an Argyle shirt, if not the best, according to some people. And Hazard has really, really reassured me that if that happens... We are absolutely fine. He looks like one of the bargains of the season in the championship for 150,000, a goalkeeper who has looked better, I think, than his opposition number um, for the other teams we've played. I've not been hugely impressed by some of the goalkeepers we've come up against, mm. not because they've been making mistakes or they've been you know, doing anything too terrible, but they don't look like world beaters either. And Hazard, yesterday he, he showed it with a couple of big saves. I don't think we've been putting quite as much um, pressure on him to play the ball with his feet. Shuey perhaps has learned or, or realised that that isn't his game. And we don't want to end up in situations like Allsop did for Hull 
yesterday where we're putting pressure on ourselves, which is great to see. I've always wanted a little bit more pragmatism with the playing out for the back. I I believe it is the right thing to do. I like the way we play. It's part of our identity and, and our brand. But there are times when even if even if you, you can still play out from the back, but just perhaps not just rolling it to Scar stood right in front of you, for example, but making sure you're playing out wide. So he's been brilliant. His game's developing. Bargain of the season in the championship, I think. He's been absolutely fantastic. Joe Edwards, I mean, there's not much you can say about him. I mentioned him, I think, a couple of pods ago, and I said how he'd surprised me. And, and, and Tom, you said, no surprise to you whatsoever. He has... He is... If, if Gillespie is the player who can play well for Argyle and, and he can have, have a, a go at the championship, but you're always a bit nervous that he's got a little mistake in him or perhaps he'll come up against someone who's just better. Joe Edwards is is the player. Perhaps early at Watford, he, uh, he, he had a bit of a torrid time, but you know you can rely on him. He's so reliable, Mr. Dependable. You never see his name on the team sheet and think, oh, I'm not sure about that. You know he's going to give everything. And I think the other thing about Joe Edwards is the work that he does, getting forward, getting back, but he allows people around him to play as well. He allows Morgan Whitaker to do what Morgan Whitaker does. He allows Adam Randall to do what, what he does. Um, I I thought this season, I've said this before, I thought this season we would see less and less of him. He would be the captain in the dressing room. He'd be coming on, a bit of a utility man. And he has shown us that he is still a championship starter, 500 appearances, phenomenal career. Glad he's ours. Really happy he's ours. Amen. Amen. He's, you know, he's he's done, of those 500 career appearances, he's done 194 for us. So uh, in about a month, we're going to be celebrating his 200th game for Argyle. And as you say, he is, his consistency level and the way he makes everyone else better you just can't ask for anything more than that he's just a great player a great human being too i'm gonna use the l word it's overused in football (laughs) but i think joe's a legend um he's an argyle legend without a doubt i don't i i don't think um and people will probably just go look at his ability maybe or where he came from and where he joined us and just base it on that and you think of the players who played for us before but Alex, we were talking off air about this, about what it means to support this club. And I do look beyond the result, particularly when it comes to the personnel. I love a trier. I love people who wear their heart on sleeve and give me that over somebody who wants to come and take their pay packet who can ball juggle, you know, any day. And um, Joe is one of my favourite players to have ever played for this club. Around the stadium, we've got images of Argyle legends as you come into the ground. And there's players that played in our previous promotion from what is now League One who are up there with their name and, and, and the years that they played for the club. And I would argue that Edwards, the difference being that Edwards has stepped up with us and he's clearly completely at home at this level as well. He's led the team to one of, if not our greatest promotion um, ever. We've never been promoted from a division higher than the one we just got promoted from. We've not done it with such confidence and spectacular results against such difficult opposition mm. he is mm. an Argyle legend we've reflected a few times guys haven't we about how Morgan and Barley were worth certain amounts of money to other clubs because 
the management team we've got at Plymouth Argyle are very good at getting the best out of players in certain positions. Ryan Hardy, Morgan Whitaker, and Barley Mumber are worth so much more in the roles and the duties they've been given and the combinations with their teammates than they would get if they simply just went to another club and that due care wasn't taken. And I put most of that credit onto our management team. Now, Joe is another player who, let's be honest, plays above his station with us. But I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm reluctant to give as much of that credit to the management of our team. I put that on him personally. And uh, I'm not putting a huge amount of science behind that. Just a lot of heart. I would not be surprised if, if in the, sometime in the future, maybe 10 years from now, Joe Edwards is our manager. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. We're now going into uh, a couple of games on the back of the Norwich home game, knowing that we can beat anyone at home. That's how I feel about it. And we've now got some confidence that we can go away to a team where the odds are really against us and not be beaten, which is, that's the real substantive uh, takeaway. Peter, how, how are you feeling ahead of the Millwall game at home? Big chance for us to get some points. Well, let's not take it too uh, comfortably. Uh, Millwall, yes, they did get a, an ass-kicking yesterday, 3 net at home against Swansea. However, uh, they had 22 shots against seven for Swansea. Uh, only five on target, three big chances, did not convert any of them. Uh, Swansea had three big chances and converted two of the big chances. Um, that was the difference in that result. So I think Millwall will be saying to themselves, on a different day, if we can be a little more clinical, we could have won that game, even though it looks really bad on paper. Now, remember, uh, after we uh, really took it to Norwich, we had our worst performance of the season. I mean, we were horrible against Bristol City, and then we came and we really thrashed Norwich. So uh, I think Millwall, we have to take very seriously. I think we can get a little bit of confidence given how well we're playing, but we gotta, they're not going to be a walkover. They do play, at least they played on Saturday, with uh, three backs and wing backs. Um, they'll be set up, uh, if they're set up that way, then I wouldn't be surprised to see us start in a similar type of thing with, uh, with wing backs and having the potential to switch to 4-4-3, or sorry, 4-3-3 um, later in the game if needed. Yeah, the extra player would certainly be handy there for you. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, cliche, Alex, no easy games. Yeah, because we haven't played so many games this season, every game seems to offer us a new scenario or a new context that we have to kind of base our game plan around. Um, yesterday was really great because it was uh, we showed that we could get a one-all draw away from home against a good team and not let it slip and we could see the game out like we didn't do against Birmingham. So to get the draw was fantastic. This game, I think, is probably the first one, possibly other than Huddersfield. I thought that there was some expectation to get a result against Huddersfield off, coming off the back of the higher promotion and knowing that Huddersfield were possibly a weaker team in the division. But this is one of the first home games, really, where we're going in, and I think most of the, the, the crowd in the stadium will be expecting us to go and get three points. Shuey, although he might not come out and say it, before the game, he will be really, really wanting three points from this. If we go a goal down, that'll be fascinating to see how we react. Um, Millwall, they do set up a bit more defensively away from home. They tend to, they tend to at home play a sort of a ten in behind a front two almost, um, and then 
when they're away from home, they take that 10 out and drop them behind the midfield. So they kind of move that central defensive player into a more attacking role at home. It'll probably be hard to break down. They had a great season last year. Mm, I have some real stick or twist vibes here because hearing what you guys are saying there, yeah, I caught my eye that Millwall don't have a lot of the ball. Um, I hope I'm not being too complacent by saying if we get the first goal, um, we should have enough, we should have the facilities to um, to control the game. Although I remember Huddersfield coming back and getting the equaliser. Peter mentioned Bristol City, which I'd um, managed to put far back in my memory and to <laughs> forget about some of the decision making in there. I wouldn't be surprised to see some changes. We've just played a very tough game at Hull, uh, long journey, uh, players pulling up with cramp. We've got Swansea uh, on Saturday who play expansive football. I think we'll see a couple of changes. The difference being that this game, these games both being at home, the Bristol City game away, I don't believe believe he would ever write a game off. I, I really don't. I don't, you know, hearing a few people say that he kind of just sacrificed that game for, for the... And it looks more justified because we <laughs> won against Norwich. It looks like it on paper, mate. I think that's why people said it, doesn't it? I mean, there's not many other prospective answers. There's not. There's not. But these two games are at home. And as you've said, every game at home in this division, we will be looking to get three points um, or at least go for three points. We've got Millwall. We've got Swansea at home. And then we've got the break. And then we've got the break, which which could be the difference between whether he's going to try and rest people and, and give people a break or if he's going to go, look, we've got two home games against two teams we, we feel like we can get three points against. Then we've got a break. As long as everybody says they're happy to play and everybody's fit and in good shape, let's try and take six points from those with our best team and then, and then everybody can have a rest. It's, like, it's just putting some. I don't. You don't want to put pressure on these sorts of games because the only thing that you know really that you don't want where you're the favourites is pressure where you then don't perform. We've got these two games coming up. Bear in mind, our next home game will be after the national break at Sheffield Wednesday, so we've got three of our. I hate the phrase, but easiest home games. They're not. There's no easy games, but there there are some that are easier than others. Um, so this is our opportunity to get some run together and get some um, get some points on the board this month, Peter. Uh, because Millwall are so defensively set up, I mean they they've only they only score about uh, one goal a match. I think that's their average, and we're scoring about one point nine goals a match. Big difference. And I'm going to be looking to see are we bringing back on Tuesday night? You know, is Ryan Hardy starting? Is uh, is Whitaker starting? Is Finazaz starting? Is Bally going to be there? The players that really give us offensive punch. Uh, breaking down their defence is going to be key. We've got the players who can do it. So while I began this talk about Millwall by saying let's be very cautious about them, um, I think we have the kind of offence that can dismantle them. We're at a level where I don't want to have imposter syndrome. I want to compete. So if we want to compete in this level, we need to beat you know, the majority of teams at home. And there's a handful of exceptions we might make because they're really, really good or they've got Premier League money up and whatever. And Millwall aren't one of them. I would expect, I think I'll see Condal come in for Randall. Uh, like you say, I think the key is having those players of our, our top players really unpick, um, you know, the, the, the work that they're going to have to put in defence, which I'm sure off the back of a 3-0 hammering at home, they don't want another hiding. So I think they're going to um, probably build from that something solid, try and sneak a win maybe, but I'm, I'm sure they'll be content with a draw at a place where, Generally, you come as the opposition, you get no points, opportunity to get win 24 
out of 28. Um, here's, one that, here's, here's one that, that could possibly happen if um, if Millwall are going to sit deep and soak it up and they're, they're going to be happy for us to have the ball. That means that you lose the benefits of Ryan Hardy's game, of his pace, running into the space, playing on the last shoulder. Could we see, if we're resting Hardy, a start for our new man up front? Possibly. He hasn't done anything wrong since he's been here. He looked... I mean, he came on for an excellent cameo against Norwich. He didn't do anything wrong yesterday at all in the time he was on the fit pitch. He had enough time yesterday that Shuey, you know, from what he's seen so far of him in the flesh, clearly likes him and rates him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have, you know, been the guy that they brought on in that situation. So I wouldn't be surprised if we, if perhaps we saw him get his, get his first start on Tuesday. Yeah, and I can make the same case for Ben Wayne as well. Look, um, only because if we're going to have the players to unpick the defence, you know, I don't think it's about beating the line so much. It's about having an instinctive finisher on there. And, and I'd love to see it for Wayne's confidence as well. Likewise, Bundu. Uh, I think it's not a bad shout. I think uh, what we may see, well, first of all, the thing about Bundo that needs to be remembered is that he can play in any of those front three positions. So he's not just an option for coming in uh, for, for Ryan Hardy. He can also, as he did yesterday, came in for Finn Azaz, uh, on the left side attacking midfield. But he could also, if, uh, if Morgan Whitaker's uh, gassed, uh, come in on that position too. So he's a very versatile player, which is, I think, very, very important. Given that Millwall seemed to crowd their box in order to stop opportunities, I wouldn't be surprised to see situations where somebody like Ryan Hardy is sprinting into the box, drawing the defenders into the box, while our wingbacks cut back to players like Whitaker and Finizaz, who are loitering at about the 18-yard around the, around the D and are finishing from that position. Because that's a way of unpicking crowded defences. Mm. Let's get some predictions. Um, I'm hoping for a full house. Um, I think we'll win 2 0. I think we'll get two goals in the first half and then we'll cruise. Peace I'm going to be a little more optimistic. I'm going to say 3 0. Possibly a dental. 3 1 victory by our goal is known as a dental. Interesting, interesting. interesting. I'm going a dental as well. And... A 3 1 victory by our goal is known as a dental. Um, Okay, we're going to take a little break there and we're just going to round up with uh, today's quiz. So the quiz is a little different this week. We're having our first OB of the Pilgrims podcast, first outside broadcast, and it comes from Chicago of all places. Alex is going to be Quizmaster and joining Alex will be Chris Allen and Chicago-based Argyle fan Michael. Okay, so here we are in the green post in Chicago with the massed ranks of the Chicago... Greens supporters group, which consists of two of us, <laughs> plus uh, visiting um, Callum Miami, aka Chris from Miami, in so, very short shorts, <laughs> in incredibly short shorts. Um, but I'm managing to keep my drink down for now. Um, we've just finished watching the whole game. Great result, one all um, away from home. Um, I'm sure we've just talked about that a lot in the pod. We've got a quiz today, and we've got Michael, our resident Chicagoan. Yeah, Big Argyle fan, he sat here in an Argyle shirt from last season with all the badges on the sleeves, which I regret not buying, and I'll regret it for the rest of my life. <laughs> I wish I had one, I don't. And a I green mean, hat, green and white hat. And we've got Chris, who's in the world's shortest pair of 1996 <laughs> Wembley playoff winning Argyle shorts. 
as well as a Jana Fried Chicken t-shirt. Good old JFC. Good old JFC. So we're good to go. So here's the rules of the quiz. It's higher or lower. So you, lower. Just, you just have to... You, lower. You just have to get higher or lower than the previous number for the previous question. But we're going to take on... Tom is, Tom's been really big into the previous pods of three points is better than one. So we're going to see if that's the case. You can go for a higher or lower for one point. But if you think you know the exact answer, you can go for three points and try and offer the exact answer. So I'm going to be keeping score here. So, for example, if I said six was the number of goals we scored against Norwich last season, how many brain cells do I have? If you said lower, if you, said lower <laughs> you would just get one point. <laughs> if you said three, you would get all three points. Oh, okay. okay. So if you think you've got to know the exact number. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. It can't go, can't go any worse than last week's quiz, which I can't even remember what it was, but I did... That's it. Okay. Are you ready, Michael? I'm, um, I'm so Chris, are you ready? Ready. Okay. So, the, the first number we're going to start off with is last week, Argyle scored six, an incredible six goals against Norwich City. Is Joe Edwards' squad number higher or lower? If you think you know it exactly, you can go for three points. I, I know it exactly. Okay. Right. Okay. Mike, you're, Michael, you're going exactly. You're going for three points. I'm going for three Chris, points. Chris, are you going for higher? Are you going for one point or three points? I'm just randomly writing the words higher or lower. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> so, is Joe Ed, Chris, is Joe Edwards' squad number higher or lower than six? Lower. Lower. His, Michael, his number is eight. It is number eight. So three <laughs> points for Michael. A big fat zero for Chris. Congratulations. <laughs> Welcome to Chicago. Can see, can see we, how this is going. To be, to be fair, just for context. Chris just did a shot of Malort, which is the kind of native Chicago and disgusting shot. I, I tried shot. really hard not to make him do it, but... Disgusting shot, so he, he has... He's too excited. He has something of an excuse. Okay, next question. So we're now on number eight. Number eight. So we're right. guessing higher or lower than eight. Okay. We've just played our ninth game. Well, But after eight games last season, because I wrote this quiz after we played eight games, after eight games last season, we'll be higher or lower than eight points. Write down what you think. You can just put an H or an L, as long as I know that you're not just... Um, I've never met either of you before in person, so you could just... Was be that true? I didn't know that. You, you guys have never met a person? Never. Oh. Here we are. Chris, number of points last season after eight games, higher or lower than eight? He's gone higher for one point. Higher. Uh, lower. You've gone no. lower. No. After eight games last season, we had a massive 18 points. Yeah! That's a point That's for Chris. Fantastic. That's a point for Chris. That's a point for Chris. Never no in, points for Michael. Never in doubt. Folks, it's a Dickie Dendle 3-1 at the moment. <laughs> a Dickie Dendle or a Dendle means a scoreline in a football match where Plymouth Argyle are outscoring their opposition by a ratio of 3-1. to one. The phrase's etymology is rooted in the Mediterranean where Cyprus-based Argyle fan Richard Dendle predicted his beloved Greens would follow up their 3-1 away win against Doncaster Rovers in January 2022 with a victory of the same scoreline in the FA Cup away to Chelsea. Unmoved by his inaccurate forecast, Dendle proceeded to publicly predict a 3-1 victory prior to every one of Argyle's next 42 league matches unsuccessfully before a 3-1 win over MK Dons on New Year's Day in 2023. It was no passing craze, however, as, like London buses, Argyle fans wanted to proclaim four further dentals after 3-1 triumphs over Portsmouth, Oxford, Morecambe and Cambridge in quick succession on the way to securing promotion to the EFL Championship and ultimately securing the title on the final day with a sixth and final league dental of the season away to Port Vale. For clarity, a dental must be in Argyle's favour, else it's a reverse dental, and dentals can also come up in multiples as demonstrated recently in the superb double dental against Norwich City at Home Park. Okay, 
Um, next question. So we're starting on 18. 18. Higher or lower, Freddie Asaka's age. You want to point for a higher or lower? Exact. For exact. I want an exact. Just going exact. Higher. Okay, okay. Higher. Michael, you're going for higher. Higher. Chris, you're going for... Was it 18? Lower. Exact. That's not... No, you said 18. <laughs> no, we started on 18. You've gone for lower 17. Three points for you, Chris. <laughs> no points. Oh, Move, it's moving into the lead. It's Chris. <laughs> Four three. I've never, okay. I've never, I've never won anything. For the, <laughs> it's the best day of my for life. For the viewers at home who can't see what's going on, Chris currently has a nosebleed. <laughs> He's ahead in the quiz. Okay, right. Next question. So the number is seventeen. We're starting on higher or lower, or three points for the exact number. The number of league goals scored by Morgan Whitaker last season, higher or lower than seventeen? Ooh. Definitely lower. I'm going to say ten, and I'm going to go for exact. He's going for You're exact. going for the three points. You, that, you if, hang on. If you go for exact, I didn't say this before. If you go for exact, you don't still get one point. No, if your no, guess is low. He's all in. He's okay. all in. You're all in, Michael. You're going all in on ten. I'm just, I'm just going general. I want to say ten or nine. I, well, I, well, which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say nine. Scenes here in the green post in Chicago. It I'm, is. I'm just going general lower. It is nine. Oh, I'm it is nine. I wrote nine. Look. It's, it's a good nine. effort. It's, it's nine. a fantastic Unreal. Unreal. This is great. We're 6-5. Nine is the number we're starting on. The minute of the first goal in Saturday's 6-2 win. Last Saturday's 6-2 win against Norwich. Which minute was the first goal of the game? Was it higher than nine or lower than nine? Higher. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, you said write it down so he doesn't know what I wrote. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make sure. It's I think close it, enough. I think, I think it was lower. Nine. So you're going lower, you're going higher. Yeah. It was 15 minutes ah, in, so it was higher. That's a point for Chris, no points for Michael. Okay, let's keep this uh, moving along nicely. How many questions we got here? There's 10 What's, What's the score? 6-5? Six, There's 10 questions. It is 6-6? Six, six. Six points, 6 all. Yeah. Six is it? All. Yeah. And we're halfway through the quiz. Right, this is great. This is working better than I anticipated. <laughs> um, it might sound like absolute crap <laughs> to everybody listening, but I'm having fun doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> 15 minutes. 15 is the number we're starting on. This is a bit of a one that's going to use your brain, so sorry, everybody. The total number of goals conceded against the promoted teams from League One last year. So I'll make that a bit easier. The total number of goals we conceded in the league against Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday last season. Last season. Higher or lower Higher than 15? Higher or lower 15? than 15. So in four games, across four games... Uh, I'm going lower. Michael, you're, you're but to, you're in fairness, I still don't understand the question. But I'm so going lower. If, if you add up all with the, confidence, if you add up all the goals we conceded against Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday last Didn't season, we like yeah. you're saying the same words. Don't understand the question. Lower. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I'm a teacher, and you'd be amazed at how many times yeah, I hear yeah, that. Seriously, every week. No, sincerely. Right. Um, Higher or lower? Exact. I feel like there was. I think, it, I, I, think feel it's like, I feel like you're going for an exact. It's here, an exact, isn't it? This is what it feels like. I'm not going to go exact because that's. That's uh, absolutely ridiculous. I'm going to go lower. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We only conceded. This actually surprised me. We only conceded, where is it, um, four goals against Ipswich wow. and Sheffield Wednesday across four games last season. Wow. Two there, four, four, four. We conceded, we conceded four. one at home against each and one away, one away against each. Mm. Okay, so that's one point each. God, this is close. This is great. Right, this one. this one's really going to put the cat amongst the pigeons. Four is the number we're starting on. Four, yes. Yeah. Higher. 
Number of vowels, <laughs> number of vowels in Plegwathalo. <laughs> higher. Chris is going higher straight uh, off higher, the bat. Higher, higher, yes. We're going higher, but we're not going for an exact... No. It is a fool's no, errand to go for an exact number on that one, I fear. Um, you're absolutely right. It's one each. It's six <laughs> vowels in Plegwathalo. <laughs> okay. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> Best day of your life because you're drawing a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Prime, so six is the number six we're starting on. The There's okay. about four questions left, folks, so we'll be on our way soon. Four is the number we're starting on. Six is the number we're starting on. Four was the he pre- also had a shot four, of four, four was the previous one. Four was the number of goals conceded. Six is the vowels in Plegwadelo. Prior to joining Argyle, how many countries... Has Mustafa Bundu played semi-professional professional football in? Ooh. Higher or lower than six? Can I go for an exact? You can go for an exact. I'm going to say three. Zero. That's what I was going to say too. Like so you're I'm, both going. You're both going for an exact on three. I'm going for three. Yeah. It's zero point six four. Ah, what were the four? <laughs> He's played for Hereford, which I'm, I said semi-professional, so I'm assuming Hereford was semi-professional at that point. Then he's played in Denmark. Yeah. Okay. Belgium, Belgium and he Spain. was on loan in Andorra. Oh, he's got it right. Well. So yeah. four. Okay. Okay, this one should be easy. I hope so you both the, get the this. Number f- number Although I'll be in, and I'm hoping for three points from both of you. We're starting on four. How many points did we score in the league last season? Hundred and one. Come on, baby. Easy. Three points each. Oh, you didn't even answer that, Michael, but I know you know that one. <laughs> okay. Hundred and one is the number we're starting on. Lower. How many? How many senior appearances? Has Michael Cooper made for Plymouth Argyle? Oh, what a this question. season? What this a season. question! This season? No, ever. Oh, in his career. Oh, ever? Senior appearance. I'm saying higher. higher You're going higher than 101? Yeah, for sure higher. For sure higher. No one wants to have a go for the three points? No. <laughs> you both get a point each. It's 123 oh, wow. appearances. Okay. How many questions left? Two. Oh, okay. Sorry, Chris. Am I keeping Squeak, you? Uh, squeaky bump time. Squeaky bump Wait, time. I thought that... squeaky bump time. Two questions to go. This one could probably be the decider because the last one's a bit of a sh- question. <laughs> um, so we're on 123. The next question is: How many competitive senior goals did Tommy Tynan score for Plymouth Argyle? Sorry, Michael. This is a bit of a dive into the past. Yeah, yeah. 123. Higher or lower? Tommy Tynan competitive goals. Much lower. Lower, lower, lower. 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 I mean, you, what you could do here is you could just go for the win and say the opposite, or you could keep it safe and take it into the last question. We'll see. What are your tactics? Uh, I'll do lower. You're going to go lower. You're both wrong. You scored 145. No. Do you know what? When I was... Re- when I was re- No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Four Argo. Lies. Across his whole career, he scored, Lies. he scored one goal every three games for every club he played for. Lies. What surprised me was when I was looking it up on Wikipedia, Mickey Evans scored 81 goals for Plymouth Argyle. Across, across his two spells. That's 60 with his arse. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tommy Tyler scored 140 yeah. goals. According to Wikipedia, and I cross-reference with the, the almighty Green. Yeah, he played for us well. for like... Why am I speaking in such a high-pitched voice? <laughs> so basically, okay. it's all... It, right, hang on. It's still down Scores are level. 13, Last question. 13 apiece. So, so this, is, this is the one that tests your Argyle fandom more than any other. The number <laughs> we're starting on is 145. <laughs> Okay. Guys, the last question is how many teams in Devon? Oh, how many teams in Devon? What is it a literal answer or is it a. Well, no. 
I said it tests your Argyle fandom. I'm going to go with the art series number one. There is one team in Devon. I'm going to go. <laughs> there are no. There are no teams in Devon. No, I'm going to say there's less than 145 teams in Devon. You're going to go. Oh, hang on, okay. I've got exact. Okay. <laughs> yeah. got, you've, you've chosen fewer yes. than 145. Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. Okay. I, I f***ed up because I thought this was a really funny last question, and now one of you's going to be upset. <laughs> Because technically you're both right, but there is <laughs> there is one team in Devon. There's there is, no, there's there, no is there is one team in Devon. There is one yes. team in Devon. As the chant famously goes, so Chris, I'm going to give you three points. Oh, Michael, I've an, won a quiz. An, an, an incredible. I've, I've, I've tipped my hat quiz. to Chris. I've tipped my hat to Chris. An incredibly impressive. Right, thanks, guys. We'll bring this one to an end here. One point. Great result against Hull. Back to you, Tom. Reflections. Twenty-four hours on, Alex. On the quiz, yeah. on doing shots of Malort at 10 o'clock in the morning or on the game in general. I'm, I'm going to say my my general point about yesterday's game is I felt it was so important for us to get, I don't want to say grind out because it was a good performance. It didn't feel like we ground it out, but just to get a, get a point away from home against a really good team who perhaps had slightly the better of the game. Just like winning that big win at home last week, it was another really important um, result for our players to take away and, and know that they can do it. Peter, come to you. Uh, Peter took a little break there, so doesn't know the uh, uh, quiz results, so gets to uh, listen to that at home. Peter, um, I, I tell you what we don't have from you. You've been on the pod a few times now, and you get the benefit of a little bit of hindsight and a bit of um, a bit more data. Can I ask where you think we'll end up this season in the championship table? Ooh, ooh. So we're 13th now. I'm going to say comfortably mid-table, somewhere between, say, 13 and 9, somewhere there. It's, I, would, I would love for uh, Mark to be right and to see us up in sixth place. I would absolutely – I can't tell you how excited I would be for that, to see us yeah. in, in the playoffs. Oh, that would be awesome. I would fly back from the States in a heartbeat, cancel anything on my calendar to be – in, in any kind of playoff game. But uh, I think we're most likely to be mid-table. I think we have shown that we deserve to be in the championship. We are a good team in the championship. We're competitive. We can take it with the best of them. Um, yeah, I think comfortably mid-table. Interesting you say comfortable mid-table because uh, the championship table last year suggested that comfortable mid-table didn't really exist until there was about five games to go. (laughs) (laughs) Comfortably mid-table means somewhere between uh, 5th and 23rd. I think some very fine margins will decide multiple positions in this league table. Also, a little uh, last remark on the Millwall game. As much as I was saying about it being, whether it being an easier opponent or not, relatively easy compared to some of the other games that we might face in the division. Um, the teams that we didn't beat last year, Port Vale, Lincoln, uh, Fleetwood. So um, we have form, don't we, for turning up in the big games and and uh, showing a little bit complacent. And I say complacency. I mean, I'm, I appreciate how harsh that is, talking about a team that won League One with 101 points and won nearly every game at home. Guys, it's been uh, great fun picking this game apart with you both. Thank you for joining the Pilgrims podcast, and that goes to the listener as well. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And, um, you know... See you all soon.